Thank you for listening to the Crossridge Podcast. Today's message is by Senior Pastor Mark Farnell. For more information about Crossridge Church, visit our social medias or go to our website at crclife.org. We hope you enjoy the message. We like this. We want this. We will pray for this. Everything seems to go better when we get this. This is a good start. Whether it's to our day or to a conversation, to a meeting at work, to a meal, whether it's to a test in school or to a game against a rival opponent, we want to have a good start. A good start helps us in many ways. A good start gives us confidence. A good start gives us encouragement. A good start gives us hope. A good start gives us motivation. A good start gives us endurance. David the psalmist wrote in Psalm 5 in verse 3, in the morning, Lord, you hear my voice. In the morning, I plead my case to you and watch expectantly. We get a good start to our day as we start our day with the Lord, spending time with him, spending time in his word, spending time in prayer, sharing our requests with him, and watching him work in us and for us throughout the day. Paul got off to a good start in his letter to Titus. So open your Bibles with me to Titus chapter 1. We are continuing our verse-by-verse study through this New Testament book called Titus. As always, God wants us to live what we learn from his word. He wants us to obey, to apply his truth to us. And so we are at the beginning of this study. We're still at the very beginning of chapter one. I'll begin reading verse one and we'll uh, do a quick review of uh, what we shared last week. Titus one, beginning of verse one, Paul, a servant of God, and an apostle of Jesus Christ for the faith of God's elect and their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness in the hope of eternal life that God, who cannot lie, promised before time began. In his own time, he has revealed his word in the preaching with which I was entrusted by the command of God our Savior. Paul was a servant of God an apostle of Jesus Christ. Paul was saved by God and sent out by God to serve. As a servant of God, Paul was devoted to helping his brothers and sisters in Jesus grow in their faith in Jesus, which would be evidenced by their godly life for Jesus. As an apostle of Jesus Christ, Paul was committed to sharing the gospel everywhere he went so that folks could hear the good news of Jesus and respond by God's grace through their faith in Jesus and begin to grow up in their faith in Jesus. Paul served God with the hope of eternal life with God one day in mind, which Paul shared that God had promised to him, Paul, and to everyone who believes in Jesus before time began. 
Paul said that God had revealed his plan, revealed himself and his plan for today and for eternity in his own time in his word. And in the preaching and teaching ministry of Paul and the other apostles. Today we know God's plan is revealed to you and me in this word that we hold in our hands. God's plan for today and for eternity is revealed in his word, and also it's continuing to be revealed in the preaching and teaching of pastors and elders and ministers and uh, Bible teachers and men and women, brothers and sisters in Christ, which includes many of us today. God's revelation of himself in his word through his son, how we can know him, is still going forth today. We have been saved by God and sent out by God to serve. Say that with me out loud. We have been saved by God and sent out by God to serve. We are called to help others come to know Jesus, grow in Jesus, and go for Jesus. We serve God with the hope of our eternal life with God in heaven one day in mind. This hope of eternal life with God helps us today to live God's way. It helps us to persevere in our faith in Christ through the challenges and difficulties and trials that are sure to come our way. Like Paul and Titus, God wants us to be clear about several things. And we shared this at the end last week. God wants us to be clear about who we are we are servants of God. We are witnesses for Jesus. God wants us to be clear about what we do. We share Jesus with others and we show Jesus to others. God wants us to be clear about how we live. We're to live holy lives, pleasing to God. Lives built on our faith and trust in Jesus Christ because God who calls us is holy, we're to be holy in all we do. God wants us to be clear also about what's ahead. Our eternal life with God in glory is ahead for you and me, which motivates us to live for God today. So why does God want us to be clear on these application points at the start of our study through Titus? One reason is we suffer at times from spiritual amnesia. We forget about God. We forget about what God has done in us and for us. We forget about what God is doing in us and for us. We forget about what God has promised us in his word to carry on and continue to do in us, for us, through us, and around us. And when we suffer from spiritual amnesia, what happens when we forget about God? We take charge of us. When we take charge of us, generally, that is sparked by a couple of common mistakes that we are prone to make. Mistake number one is we think we know enough. Mistake number two is we think we're strong enough. And so we, taking charge of ourselves, charge out into our day, charge out each week, day by day, week by week, and we attempt to live the Christian life according to our wisdom and our strength. 
we end up, because we're focused on our wisdom and our strength, we ultimately end up pursuing our wants, wishes, and plans rather than God's, and we ultimately end up asking God, would you please bless and rubber stamp what I want for me, God? And we get so focused because we're in charge because we're suffering from a case of spiritual amnesia. It doesn't take long for us to realize we don't know enough and we're not strong enough to live God's way on our own. As Isaiah told us, God's ways and thoughts are higher, say higher, than our ways and thoughts. What God wants for us is far greater than what we want for us. What God knows about us is far more than what we know about us. And so Jesus himself reminded us, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing still today means nothing. We can do nothing of spiritual significance for Jesus apart from relying on Jesus and his power at work in and through us. God did not want Paul and specifically Titus to suffer from a case of spiritual amnesia. God doesn't want you and me today and this week to suffer from a case of spiritual amnesia. So what God has done through Paul in this letter to Titus and us is he has filled the very start of this letter. He has filled the greeting of this letter, the hello to Titus of this letter with God's rich, amazing truth so that Titus, upon receiving this letter and immediately upon reading the letter, would just begin to drown in the riches of God's truth and grace for him as he continued making his way through these instructions and then applying them in his life. And the same is true for you and me. As we begin, as we start our study, as we get into this letter, what God is doing through Paul to you and me this morning is he's saying hello to us. He's brought us here this morning. He's saying hello to us and he, he's pouring in this rich, amazing truth and encouragement, words of grace for you and me because God wants us to just drown in this truth so that we can then express it in all of our different relationships today in this week. So we see this continue, this greeting, this hello continues in verse 4. What a great start in verses 1 through 3. So let's just continue on. Paul's writing to Titus, and he says, To Titus, my true son in our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. So we know Paul wrote to Titus, the specific recipient of this letter is Titus. Titus was the specific recipient, the specific audience that Paul was writing to as he wrote these words in this letter. Titus was a spirit-filled Gentile follower of Jesus. Titus was saved by God's grace through his faith in Christ Jesus. Titus was a dependable minister. As we shared a couple of weeks ago, Titus was the one entrusted to take 
Paul's severe letter of warning and rebuke to the believers in the church in Corinth who had turned away from God and sinned against God, and Titus remained there in Corinth to minister uh, and to gauge the response of the believers in the church in Corinth. And then Titus later on met back up with Paul, and he gave Paul the report about what happened and how the believers responded to his severe letter of warning and rebuke. And Titus was able to share with Paul that the believers of the church in Corinth repented of their sins, and they returned to God, and they renewed their zeal and their love for God and for Paul, which caused Paul to rejoice in the Lord. Titus was called, equipped, and empowered by God to lead and organize the churches on the island of Crete. So Paul wrote in verse 4 to Titus, that's a little bit about this guy that Paul was writing to. We'll learn and get to know him better as we make our way through this letter. But also understand this letter is to us. We're God's family in Christ Jesus. God saw fit to include it in the canon of his word. And so we know it's for you and for me today. We're in view here. So Paul said to Titus, my true son in our common faith. So let's talk about this for a moment. My true son means my true, my sincere, my genuine son in the faith. Paul was reminding Titus that God had used Paul in his work to help Titus come to a saving faith and trust in Jesus Christ. If you stop and think about it, more than likely, you can name one person comes immediately to mind, quite possibly many, many more people that Almighty God used in his work in your life to bring you to a saving faith and trust in Christ Jesus. You may not have responded to the first person. You may not have responded to the second person. You may not have responded to the third, fourth, or fifth person. But ultimately, God, by his Holy Spirit, brought you to salvation, and he used others in his work to bring you to salvation. And so Paul was the spiritual father of Titus. He said, my true son, in our common, that means in our shared, in our agreed upon, and he says, faith. Now, faith here has a twofold meaning. If you're taking notes, there's twofold meaning here. Uh, so you want to make sure you highlight these differences, the, two dif the twofold difference here of faith. Number one, faith is the belief in God's truth that is necessary for salvation. That's what Paul's talking about when he talks about faith. It's the belief in God's truth necessary for, necessary for salvation. It's the belief that Jesus is the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. The belief that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ opens a way for us to receive forgiveness of sins and enter into a relationship with God. The belief that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our hearts God raised it from the dead, we will be saved. It's with our heart that we believe and are justified. It's with our mouth that we confess and are saved. It's the belief that God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we could become the righteousness of God. As Paul said, for by grace are you saved through faith. And this not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And so Paul here is making a very clear, specific point. Paul, a Jew, this is significant, Paul, a Jew, and Titus, a Gentile, shared a common saving faith in Jesus Christ, our Savior. That's exciting. So when we talk about 
and we read to Titus, my true son in our common faith. Paul is referring to the faith. That means the belief in God's truth necessary for salvation. But secondly, faith literally means the belief in God's truth necessary for sanctification. God is growing each of us into maturity in Christ Jesus. Our spiritual growth in God is focused on the word of God. As Paul told Titus in verse 3, God has revealed in his own time his truth, his plan in his word. So Paul and Titus had a shared faith a common saving faith in Jesus Christ, their Savior and Lord. Paul and Titus also shared a common faith in the truth of God's Word. They shared a commitment to believe it, preach it, teach it, obey it, and share it. And so we see Paul and Titus were hearers and doers of God's Word. Paul and Titus taught believers to be hearers and doers of God's word. God wants us today, you and me, to be hearers and doers of his word. To Titus, my true son, in our common faith. Paul here continuing his greeting, his hello to Titus. He says, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. Grace and peace. So he continues in this greeting, and he shares the words grace and peace. So let's look at these uh, words of blessing uh, from Paul to Titus and to us today. First, we know that grace and peace, sometimes mercy was included as well, but grace and peace was a common greeting from Paul in his writings uh, in his letters in the New Testament. The order is important, and it's also correct. Grace first, then peace. Grace is the undeserved, unearned favor and blessings of God poured out on us and in us in Christ Jesus. Grace is the unearned, undeserved favor and blessings of God poured out on us and in us in Christ Jesus. God in his grace sent his son Jesus to earth to rescue us, to save us from our sins. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This is grace, that God took the initiative with you and with me. And he sent his son Jesus to rescue us from our sins so that we who were without God could be with God, so that we who are not a people could be God's people. And so we see Paul emphasizes God's grace here at the beginning in his greeting, but we also see he emphasizes grace throughout this letter. We're going to get to this uh, in some weeks to come. Uh, it may be more like months to come, but we'll see. Uh, but we're going to get to it. We're going to get to it. Um, we're, we're going to make our way sprint through one verse this morning. So we're, we're going to get there. 
uh, at, at some point. God's going to bring us there in his time and his way to reveal his truth to us, kind of like what we're reading about here. But I do want us to jump ahead. It's okay to jump ahead. I think it's okay for us to jump ahead a little bit, maybe to cheat a little bit. I don't think God will mind. Uh, so I want you to jump ahead to Titus chapter 2. We're going to get to this, and when we get to this, we're going to dive into it. We're going to take it apart. But I do want you to look at Titus chapter 2, and, and we're just going to take a peek at Titus chapter 2, kind of give us a, a taste of what is to come, because it relates to um, what Paul's writing about here, grace and peace, specifically grace. Beginning of verse 11, Titus chapter 2, verse 11, for the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, instructing us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts and to live in a sensible, righteous, and godly way in the present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. What a passage. What an awesome passage. So let's just look at, I just want to highlight three points real quick about God's grace. Three quick points about God's grace. Number one, God's grace brings us into God's family. God's grace brings us into God's family. What Paul said here is for the grace of God that has appeared, bringing salvation for all people as a reference to Jesus Christ. We know we are saved by God's grace through our faith in Jesus, not by works. It's the grace of God that sent his son to reveal God himself to us through his incarnation, his life, death, burial, and resurrection. And so we know God's grace brings us into God's family. It's a reference here to Jesus Christ. But secondly, God's grace grows us up in God's family. Not only brings us into God's family, but God's grace grows us up into God's family. God's grace helps us to say no to sin and yes to the Savior. God's grace helps us to live lives that are pleasing to God because the one who calls us is holy. So we're to be holy in all we do. If you see here, it's the grace of God that helps to instruct us to deny godlessness and worldly lusts and to live in a sensible, righteous, godly way. And so we know it's the grace of God that helps bring us into God's family. It's the grace of God that helps grow us up into God's family. And it's the grace of God. The third key point is God's grace sustains us in God's family. God's grace sustains us. We know God's grace is available to us in Jesus. And God's grace is sufficient for us. It's more than enough for us to help us persevere in our faith in Jesus through the challenges, difficulties, trials, and tests of our faith that come our way, that we might be in the middle of right now. And Paul told us here in verse 13, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, so God's grace not only brings us in his family and grows us up in God's family, it sustains us in God's family as we wait with the Lord. And it, God's grace reminds us of our hope of eternal life with God in glory one day, which helps us to live God's way today, which helps us to endure and to persevere through those challenges that come our way. We don't wait alone. We wait with the Father as he continues his work in, through, for, and around us. And so we see this amazing greeting, grace. The truth is, Paul and Titus both needed God's grace day by day, moment by moment, step by step. Paul knew this, and Paul was encouraging Titus to embrace this reality. We need God's grace. Every step of our way, 
moment by moment, day by day. You need God's grace alive and at work in you. I need God's grace alive and at work in me. God's grace is sufficient for us. His power is perfected in our weakness. It's in those moments of weakness that we're truly at our strongest if we'll just humbly turn to God and we receive his grace, his strength. That enables us to continue making our way through whatever the challenges, the pain, the hurt, the suffering, the difficulties may be. And so we see Paul understood this. He said grace and peace. Peace is another blessing from God to us in Jesus. Peace is the inner calm we have because we know we are right with God in Jesus. Peace is that inner calm that you and I have as followers of Jesus Christ. And that peace is built upon the reality, the truth, the understanding that we are right with God in Christ Jesus. You see, when we receive the grace of God, we then have peace with God. When we receive the grace of God by faith, we're able to experience peace with God. As Paul told us in Romans 5 and verse 1, Therefore, since you've been declared righteous by faith, you have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Since we've been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So as followers of Jesus, we know our war with God due to our sin against God is over in Jesus because our separation from God due to our sin against God has been bridged by Jesus. Jesus, the righteous one, died for you and me, the unrighteous ones, to bring us to God. Jesus destroyed the dividing wall of sin that separated you and me from God by his perfect life, his death, burial, and resurrection. Through faith in Jesus, we have access to God the Father. Through faith in Jesus, we can call God our Abba Father. Through faith in Jesus, we can cry out, we can talk with God, we can pray to him throughout the day, day by day, moment by moment, every step of our way. You see, when we know the peace with God. When we have peace with God, we're able then to receive the peace of God. We cannot receive the peace of God until we have peace with God, and we can't have peace with God until we receive the grace of God. And so grace and peace is significant. It's important. It makes biblical sense. It makes sense in our own lives. We receive the grace of God at the moment of salvation. That grace continues to work in us, growing us up, sustaining us. And when we receive the grace of God, we then have peace with God. And as we have peace with God, that war with God due to our sin against God is over. We are then able to be filled with the peace of God. That inner calm it helps us know we're good. We're good with God in Christ Jesus. It's that peace that passes all understanding. As Jesus himself said, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. He said, you will have suffering, you will have trouble, you will have tribulation, you will have trials, you will have a pain in this world. But be courageous, be of good cheer. I've conquered the world. Jesus said, I've overcome the world. And because he conquered and overcame, we can conquer and overcome. Because he opened the way for us to enter that relationship with him, he bestows grace and peace to us. They're gifts from Almighty God to you and to me. And so Paul was wanting Titus to understand these blessings to highlight them to him. He said, grace and peace. And he said, 
from God the Father and Christ Jesus, our Savior. So we know God the Father has given us every, say every, every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. God has given us every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. Ephesians 1 verse 3, every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. God truly is, as we sing often, our good, good Father, and we are loved by him. Amen? He is our good, good Father. And we know that God's grace and peace took on flesh. It became incarnate in Jesus. Jesus was God's grace and peace to us in the flesh, God's mercy and love, God's forgiveness in the flesh, but certainly God's grace and peace to us. That grace and peace does not come from the world. That grace and peace does not come from one another solely and completely. That grace and peace doesn't come from us working, 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 working harder and harder and harder and doing more and more and more good things. Grace and peace comes to us from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. That's the avenue of grace and peace. Now, once we receive this grace and peace, we need to understand it and, and we need to then make application in our lives with it. As Paul was encouraging Titus, God is going to continue to encourage us this morning. So we now look at this point and we ask ourselves a simple question, what is our application? What is our application as we look at this continued greeting? Last week, we, we learned that what God wanted us to do and apply, and, and hopefully you were able to do this this last past week, and, and we need to continue to do this. We need to be clear about who we are, what we do, how we live, and, and what's ahead. We, we need to be clear. And so we're beginning to see uh, all that, that God is doing and preparing us as he begins this letter uh, with just these first few verses, he is downloading amazing truth to us. As we focus in on verse 4 to Titus, my true son of our common faith, grace and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Savior. So what is our application today, this week? What does God want us to, to practice, to put into practice in our lives so that we can be the ministers uh, that God calls us to be as we leave his house this morning and go out into our mission fields later this morning in, in this day and week. Well, there's a few application points I want us to look at uh, that we see right here in this passage. Number one is rejoice in our unity in Jesus. Rejoice in our unity in Jesus. We have a common shared saving faith in Christ Jesus. Just as Paul and Titus enjoyed, we enjoy a common, shared, saving faith in Christ Jesus. Though we look different, though we talk different, though we sound different, though we come from different backgrounds, we have the same Savior, Jesus. We are family, brothers and sisters, in Christ Jesus. We have been bought with the price of the blood Jesus shed for us on the cross of Calvary. We have all been crucified with Christ, and we no longer live, but Christ Jesus lives in and through us. The life we now live in the body as followers of Jesus, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. We are new creations in Christ Jesus. Our old life of sin and self is gone, and our new life in the Savior has come. We are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ Jesus. We are victors in Jesus. 
We are conquerors in Jesus. We are overcomers in Jesus. And therefore, we are to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace that we enjoy in Christ Jesus. We need to rejoice in our unity. That was what was happening here. Paul here was, was sharing with Titus, his true son, on our common faith. He said, man, we are brothers. And because we're brothers in Jesus, we can rejoice in this unity that we have in Jesus. Because you see, our unity in Jesus is an eternal unity. We're going to spend eternity with one another in glory. And many times this unity in Jesus that we have is stronger than even the unity we have with our own flesh and blood. Because this unity in Jesus will last forever. So we need to rejoice in our unity in Jesus. We are family in Jesus. So I want you to do a favor. Let's stand up real quick. Stand up. And I'm going to give you a minute. And uh, you're going to go to at least two or three folks. And I want you to smile real big and say, we're family in Jesus. Go. You may be seated. That's a little bit of what it means to rejoice. Rejoice in our family in Jesus. Yeah, give the Lord a hand. Rejoice in our family in Jesus. It, it feels good. It, it does good for us. Rejoice in our family in Jesus. Here's the second application point he wants us to, to follow. Grow in our faith in Jesus. We're to grow in our faith in Jesus. God is growing us into maturity in Christ Jesus. And God's main tool that he uses to grow us up in our faith in Jesus is his word. We have a shared trust and belief in the word of God to believe it, preach it, teach it, obey it, and share it. We have a common shared faith in the sound doctrine of the word of God. That's one of the reasons why Paul said, let the word of Christ dwell richly where? Among you. Let the word of Christ Dwell richly among you. Share God's word. Speak God's word. Dialogue about God's word. When we're together as brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. So here's how God grows us. That's what Paul was talking to Titus about. He'll continue sharing as even we looked ahead to chapter 2. As we spend time with God throughout our week, day by day, as we get in God's word, God transforms us. God makes us more like Jesus. God grows us up in our faith as he renews our minds on the truth of his word. God renews our minds. He renovates our minds by the truth of his word so that we'll think the way he wants us to think, feel the way he wants us to feel, and act the ways he wants us to act. As Paul told us, all scripture is inspired and breathed out by God. It's profitable, it's useful for teaching us, rebuking us, correcting us, and training us in righteousness so that we may all be complete, mature, ready, equipped for every good work that God calls us to do. And so we want to get into this word 
Because we learn about our unity in Jesus, which causes us to rejoice. We want to get into this word because it is the vehicle that God uses to grow us up in our faith. And as we get in this word, we're going to start to realize that we're thinking more in line with this word. Well, when we think more in line with this word, we begin to feel more in line with the way God wants us to feel according to his truth. And then we begin to do more of the things that God wants us to do. We, we were able to deny godlessness and worldly lusts, as Paul said, and we're able to live sensible, righteous, godly lives in Christ Jesus. Because we're growing up in our faith in Jesus. The third application point is we need to embrace our blessings in Jesus. We need to embrace our blessings. As we've shared, Paul said that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. We need to embrace our forgiveness in Jesus. We need to embrace our freedom in Jesus, our love in Jesus, our mercy in Jesus. We need to embrace our wisdom from God in Jesus. But we specifically here, as Paul was sharing with Titus, we need to embrace God's grace and peace. We need to embrace God's grace and peace. This greeting, this blessing of grace and peace from Paul to Titus and to us was meant to encourage us, but it was also meant to help us to, to soak it in, to embrace it, to truly understand this grace and peace so that we can embrace it in our lives. One way we embrace God's grace is by humility. It's by humility. Scripture tells us God opposes the proud, but he gives what? He gives grace to the humble. We embrace God's grace as we humble ourselves before God day by day by seeking God first, his will, his wants, his wishes, his ways, because he knows and wants and always does what's best for us. And as we humble ourselves before the Father, we know that Peter and other, James and others have told us that God will lift us up in his time, in his power to fulfill his purposes for his glory, which is best for us and all those God places around us. So one of the ways that we can embrace God's grace, one of the ways that we should respond to this blessing of grace that we have received from God is by humility, is by day by day just falling on our knees before the Father, humbling ourselves before him, knowing that he will lift us up and empower us to live his way. One way we embrace peace, one way we embrace God's peace is by prayer. Paul told us, don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God. Say that with me out loud. And the peace of God. One more time. The peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding. That means it transcends, it goes beyond all of our understanding. It's too great, too wide, too high, too long, too deep for us to understand it. The peace of God, which surpasses all of our understanding, what will it do? It will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God's peace does not excuse us from challenges and trials. God's peace, however, does help us in and through our challenges and trials. God's peace calms us. God's peace comforts us. God's peace protects us. As Paul used that imagery in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, as he said that God's peace, the peace of God, will stand like a disciplined, excellent soldier at the doorway to our minds. Why did he include hearts and minds? Because we know the battle of spiritual warfare is fought in our minds. So the peace of God stands watch over our minds, our thoughts, our beliefs. And 
It protects our minds from the enemy's lies, accusations, temptations, and doubts that he continually bombards our minds with on a day-by-day basis. It's this peace of God that guards our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. God's peace also strengthens us so that we can live God's way day by day. What a blessing. We rejoice in our unity in Jesus. We're able to grow up in our faith in Jesus. We're able to embrace our blessings in Jesus. All this that Paul is telling the Timothy here in just this simple verse, verse four, full of God's truth. And then the fourth application point is express our blessings in Jesus. God doesn't want us to keep all his blessings, his grace, and his peace to ourselves. He wants us to share it, to give it away to one another, our brothers and sisters in Christ, but also to all those he places around us in our congregations throughout the week. Remember, freely we have received from God, freely we are to give. Freely we receive, freely we give. And so we show grace. So how are we going to express this grace and peace? Well, there's a few ways. We show grace as we serve and love one another in the name and power of Jesus. We show this grace, this unearned, undeserved favor from God through us. We show grace to one another, our family in Christ Jesus, and all those God places around us as we love and serve in the name and power of Jesus. Whether others deserve it, ask for it, want it, We love and serve in the name and power of Jesus. We show grace. We speak grace to one another as we speak God's truth and love to one another. We bless, we encourage, we lift up one another in love with grace, but we also correct, we also confront, we also disagree with one another in love making sure our words as we're speaking, making sure our words are always seasoned with kindness, respect, grace, and love so that they'll be received, so the Holy Spirit can continue doing his work, not only in our lives, but in those that we are interacting with. And so we show grace and we speak grace, but we also are called to prioritize peace. We're called to to seek to live in peace, to give that peace away to others. And Scripture tells us about this. It says, if possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. And he didn't just say those you like. He didn't just say those who are easy to live at peace with, which would have been much easier. But much easier. He said with everyone. Are you sure, God, everyone? Go look in the Greek. Does that really mean everyone? Yes. Everyone means everyone. So how, then, do we prioritize peace with everyone? How do we give this peace that we have How are we able to share it, give it away? Well, we are able to prioritize peace by prioritizing forgiveness and prayer. The way we're able to live at peace with everyone is being quick forgivers and staying on our knees in prayer, asking not only for God to empower us, but praying for those that we're to live at peace with. Those who have hurt us, those who come against us, those who disagree with us, those who don't live like us, those who continue to come against us, even if we've forgiven them. It's forgiveness, prayer, and then we're able to live at peace with everyone as we show and speak grace to them. We prioritize forgiveness. That's us, internal. That's us. we got to forgive. 
we pray. Again, that's us and God. We're praying for those that we're to live at peace with. And we're praying for them. But then we, we go external and we, we show and speak grace to them. See, grace and peace reminded Paul and Titus of God's blessings to them. Grace and peace reminded Paul and Titus to live for God, to live his way. Grace and peace motivated Paul and Titus to live for Jesus. You see, Titus needed to embrace and express God's grace and peace as he led the churches on the island of Crete, which we'll start to learn about more next Sunday. He needed to embrace and express God's grace and peace. He had to brace it first so that he could express it in the way that God desired. And we know this morning God's brought us here once again, and he's reminding us we need to embrace and express God's grace and peace so that we can fulfill God's call on our lives, so that we can fulfill his purpose for us today and this week. Many of us are going to leave and we're going to go and we're going to serve in an area of ministry. We're going to serve with children. We're going to serve with some preschoolers. Maybe it's some older kids. We're going to serve by teaching adults. We're going to serve in all the other different areas of ministry. We all need to embrace God's grace and peace now so that we can go fulfill that purpose that God's called us to. The same goes as we leave this place and we go to our homes with our families, as we go to our life teams later this afternoon, as we go about our ministry throughout the week. We need to embrace and express God's grace and peace as we fulfill his purpose for us that he's given to us for today and then as we look forward to this week. God's grace and peace reminds us of our blessings in Jesus. God's grace and peace motivates us to live for Jesus. God's grace and peace draws us near to Jesus. God's grace and peace leads people to place their faith in Jesus. One of the main reasons why we need to embrace and express this grace and peace. Because God literally uses it to draw people to faith in Jesus and God's grace and peace. For us, brothers and sisters in Christ, calls us to give our praise to Jesus. The one through whom this amazing grace and this unsurpassing peace comes through for you and for me. It's through King Jesus. Let me ask you to bow in prayer. Our worship team is going to come and lead in this time of response. And I want to encourage you to respond to the Lord in obedience this morning. For some, that means just spending time praying and seeking the Father and rejoicing maybe in your unity in Jesus. Maybe it's renewing your commitment to grow. Maybe it's embracing and taking just some moments. Maybe you've realized, man, I've just not really embraced the blessings that God's given to me in Jesus recently. I've been so focused. I've been so busy. I've been so overwhelmed. I've been struggling in so many different ways. And, and what I need most is I, I need to embrace these blessings that are mine in Jesus. Maybe you need to express. Listen, God's Spirit is moving. You don't have to wait 
till we start to sing as others are doing. You can move now. Our prayer partners will be standing here at the front. They'd love to pray with you for you. Maybe God wants you to go and express this grace and peace to a brother or sister in Christ. Maybe you know there's someone who's struggling, someone who's hurting, someone's going through one of those challenges, those difficult times, and they desperately need that, that blessing of grace. I mean, that blessing, that touch of God's peace. Maybe God's calling you to be that one to go and do just that. The altar is open as it always is, and there yet still may be some this morning who would say, you know what, I, I need Jesus. And I know that I've not received God's gift of salvation and my faith in Jesus, and that's my first step. And you're right, grace first, then peace. We receive the grace of God, which opens a way for us to have peace with God and to enjoy the peace of God. God. It begins at that moment of salvation saying yes to Jesus. We would love to introduce you to Jesus this morning. Prayer partners, I'll be standing here. We would love to tell you how you can come to know Jesus. This is God's time for us to respond to the obedience to him. Let's stand and let's worship him.